morning, everyone. Um, I'll be doing this morning's Bible reading. Uh, it's from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 15. I'll just give you a quick moment to find that one. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, See that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test, test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Good morning. Uh, Josiah was right. Uh, it has been about 10 years. I think 2011 was the last time that I sat through a church service here. And um, even as I look around, there's a, it looks like there's a massive in-gathering of people, people I, I don't know. So can I just get a, a show of hands if you were not here in the year 2011 as a member? Yeah, Wow. That, that actually works to my advantage if you don't know the little snot I was. Uh, but I'm the, the second oldest and the first favourite of Rich and Julie over there. And, um, and I, I owe my, my faith in the Lord Jesus to this, this very church. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I spent 20 years here. And actually, um, I, I have been here um, in the last 10 years. Actually, I had, a, I had a dream about six months ago, or a nightmare actually, uh, I was invited here to preach and I didn't have my manuscript and I didn't know what to say and you all laughed at me. <laughs> really. So um, 
I've actually got my manuscript here. And uh, I was going to speak on something else this morning, but then I saw that you're going through a series on generosity. Uh, so I picked out one that I wrote a long time ago. And to be honest, I, I rather wish I hadn't because now I've been convicted about my wallet again. But now why is that a problem? It's a problem because generosity means willfully losing money. Uh, I'm 50% Dutch, which means that goes against 100% of my DNA. But whether you're Dutch or not, most would agree that losing money is rather painful, and conversely, keeping it is rather nice. Why? Well, because money feels good, and, and, and it provides security and, and comfort. Uh, it gives options and safety. And, and it proves things too, like achievement. So when we, when we can't keep the money that we have or something costs more than we like, that is a bit uncomfortable. Uh, you already know how money uh, disappears from our wallets these days. We get speeding fines or, or we get accidents and there are bills and, and house prices drop and, and shares lose their value. Uh, sometimes it appears that everything in the world is scheming together to take your money. At least that's what it feels like in my world. Maybe your world as well. Uh, but there is a good and an upright way of losing money, and it's called generosity. Um, it's a muscle that we're called to flex in this church. And I'm sure you've heard it many times, but generosity is something that the Lord Jesus calls us to. And not only so, we're meant to enjoy it. Uh, so before we get into our text, I want you to ask you, uh, what's, what's your generosity temperature? I mean, think about that for a moment. Is generous a describing word that our Heavenly Father would use about you? Uh, my prayer has been this, this week, that for each of us, wherever we are along the spectrum of generosity, that God will become greater and then money will become less. Uh, so here's where we're going. Generosity is a response to God being so good. Generosity is driven by trust, uh, by grace. It's motivated by trust, and it's dedicated to God. So generosity is, is driven by grace. The Apostle Paul is writing another letter to the Christian Reformed Church of Corinth, and now as he's writing, he's passing on the hot gossip about the other churches in Macedonia, which is something really big is happening to them. What, what is it? There's been grace given to them. You, you can see what that grace is in verse 1. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches out of the most severe trial. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So, so the sign of grace is their generosity. They, they have a, a joy in giving, which, which makes me wonder, I wonder if the inability uh, to give most likely doesn't actually come from a lack of funds, but a lack of joy in God. I mean, these guys got grace, and what happened was they gave, despite being in extreme poverty. Uh, so it, it might defy belief, in fact, but generosity can be a joy, not just a duty. 
Uh, there's, there's actually a, a, there's a chasm of difference between joy and the world of duty. I uh, say, Ames, uh, my, my wife, uh, says to me, Craig, let's go for a walk on the beach. And I say, sure. And after the, the walk, Ames says, uh, say, Craig, wasn't that fun? And I say, not really. Uh, what? I, I thought you liked the beach. Why did you say yes? And then I reply, darling, it was my duty. Now, if that were to happen, I'd obviously be instantly clubbed to death. But if you got to me before Amy did, you would say something like this. That's a poor outlook on time spent with your wonderful wife. And you should change your attitude. I think in a similar way, Christian generosity is actually meant to be an act of joy. Because God is wonderful. And pleasing. And good. Uh, I think uh, this here is true. If, if giving back to God is a duty, it's not that we love money too much. I think the reality is we just love God too little. Because it seems like from this text that Christian generosity is an overflow of uh, love and joy in God. It's offered to him in the help of others. Uh, now, I'm going to attempt to call a spade a spade here. Uh, I'd really prefer you didn't hate me for it, but... In this room, there are generous people and there are those who are not generous. There are, there are people who give and there are people who hold. Now, your, your council did not tell me that, by the way. Uh, that's just a fact. That's a fact for every church. But, but you know you. You know where you stand on the spectrum of, of, uh, of greedy and generosity. Um, just so you know, I think, I mean, if there's, if there's greed and, and generosity, I think where, where, where my heart has been lately, I'm, I'm probably closer to here. So I'm preaching to myself here as well. Uh, the question is, what don't we get about grace that's stopping us from being generous? Uh, do, do you look like verse 4? Have a look there. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege. That looks like joy. Is that what you have? Well, well what's, sometimes it's good to say, well, what, what is the opposite? What's the opposite to generosity? I think it's probably greed. And greed blinds us to common grace. Uh, back when I was 18, I was uh, quite the scabby surfer, and uh, one day I found myself in Indonesia, and, and I came across two islanders, and they were playing chess. Uh, I play chess too, so let's play. And one said, let's bet. Uh, it was just around five bucks, and I absolutely whooped him. Uh, then he said, let's play again. And another five dollars was in the bag. I was a killing machine. And uh, remember, I am 50% Dutch, so taking a week's wages from a poor islander is not above me. But, but he says, let's play one more time. I said, sure. What about 100 bucks? I was like, yeah. Mate, bunch of suckers. This is money for nothing. Uh, well, I've never lost a game so fast in my life. Like, they, they, they saw me coming, hey. 
uh, gr- greed blinds. I mean, he was actually a pro, and they laughed and laughed, and I just walked away. Uh, greed is blinding. Uh, but, but now let's open our eyes to verse 9, and we see Jesus, who rather than taking an advantage of us, he becomes disadvantaged for us. It's the love of our Lord Jesus. He says, uh, well, Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I mean, think, think what Jesus did. Uh, he, he left riches for poverty. He left his heavenly father for poor parents. He swapped the throne for a stable. He went from king to carpenter. He was adored to despised. He was glorified to crucified. Though he was rich, he became poor, and he did it for a reason, so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. You are, Christian, you are a filthy rich child of God. And that's the cure for greed, I think. That Jesus left riches to rescue us from spiritual poverty. And so now, well, it's not so that we might have success or or money or or comfort or riches, but so that we would have the best thing, the most valuable thing, and that is our Heavenly Father. If I get to give so that others will know God too, that's a very Jesus-like thing to do. And conversely, in fact, keeping it, according to a lot of texts, is actually a danger. Concerning money, Jesus warns us about the dangers. Um, Just speak about warning for a second. I lived for a short time on the south coast of of New South Wales, and they've got speed cameras there, but they're really, really polite about it. So about 300 metres before the speed camera, there's a sign which says, speed camera, 300 metres. And then 100 metres away, there's another sign that says, speed camera ahead. And then 10 metres before the speed camera, it says, speed camera. And then there's a speed camera. That's, that's a lot of warnings. And, and I think whoever actually develops those photos of the people who get done by that camera would have a good laugh. Um, any sucker who gets done by that deserves it. But, but what isn't funny at all is mishearing all of the warning signs... That comes straight from the mouth of Jesus, warning, 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 concerning stuff and money. Uh, There is a danger of being caught with a heart that idolizes money and stuff. Here's here's just a few, and you you know these. Um, You've heard them all before. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. No one can serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. One day a man called out to Jesus and said, tell my brother to split his inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then there's the rich man who tears down old barns to build bigger ones, but his life is taken away and his riches achieve nothing for him. He's a wasted life. And, and, and Jesus says this, This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself, 
but is not rich towards God. We've got to note that um, it's not that having stuff is wrong. It's that closing our hand to God is wrong. Uh, there's two more stories, the rich man and Lazarus, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, the Zacchaeus, the wee little man. And the Old Testament too is loaded and loaded and loaded with stuff, which, is, which says basically that there is a chance that our little wallet, if we look inside, it's like a little portal to hell. But just from the mouth of Jesus himself, he says it is highly possible that, that's, that wealth is actually a spiritual handicap. And possessions and money have the potential to hurt us. And so what we have is an extra grace that we are warned. Love God, not money. Uh, well, uh, generosity is uh, driven by grace and it is also motivated by trust. Generosity is motivated by trust. Read with me verse 3 and 4. Uh, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Beyond their ability, consider that. What what are my excuses? Um, My excuses for not giving are are things like saving is smart or I have to be wise or God calls me to be a good steward with my money. I mean, we, we say things like that. We say things like, I've, I've cost now, I'll just give later. Because I have a mortgage now, and the more I put on it, the less I have to pay in interest, which means the faster I pay it off, and the more I can give later on. Um, that is actually mathematically a rock-solid calculation. Um, but spiritually, it's not only disastrously, disastrously distrustful in God's ongoing provision, but furthermore... Um, it's an error because we think that financial damage control is a godly excuse to not be generous. I mean, that's not, that's not true for some of you, but for some of you it might be. Well, the rule of giving is never actually this. Govern your generosity in such a way that financially you remain in the best possible place and lose out in the least way possible. That's not the rule of giving. What is the rule then? I think it's this. Trust God. I mean, how did we get the money in our banks this week? It's not because we went to work. It's because God gave us what we needed. We, we, We didn't do it. God supplied it. This week, what did God do? Well, he fed the birds. Uh, He clothed the lilies of the field and he provided for us. Uh, Is there a chance we could trust him to do the same next week and the week after, even if we gave beyond our ability this week? Uh, Every few years I listen to an audio book on on this guy. His name is Hudson Taylor. Uh, Hudson was the first missionary to inland China in the mid-1800s. And uh, he had a motto. It's a good one. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Uh, Just before he left for for England, just before he left England for China, uh, he wanted to know that that God was 
absolutely trustworthy to have his care in China. And so he, he had a little experiment. He gave away absolutely everything, stripped himself of every luxury, uh, asking God to supply him all he needed. Well, one day uh, Hudson had just been paid and he left work with the total sum of all he had in his pocket. On the way home, he visited a derelict family, a husband, wife and six kids. And, and God kept prompting him, give, give it away, give it away, this family needs it. Uh, he fought off the Holy Spirit's convictions for a long time and he tried to pray for the family but failed to. Eventually he was obedient, he gave it all away and now he had nothing but joy. The next day was a Saturday and it was a day that post never came. But the post did come. He hadn't even finished breakfast yet. He opened up a letter and the contents inside was four times the amount he gave the night before. Now he had case after case after case of this. Actually, I've got the, the audio book on my phone. If you want to listen to the audio book, it's Hudson Taylor, The Spiritual Secret. It's wonderful. Um, but, but this is... a. Uh, this is what he said in his journal. That mor- morning he wrote this, 400% return for 12 hours investment. Right then and there I determined that a bank that cannot break will have my earnings. Consider that. A bank that cannot break will have my earnings. Do you, do you trust God with your money like Hudson Taylor? Uh, or have you been like me? Uh, here's another story from the archive when I was 18. Uh, I had a conundrum. You see, I, had, I owed God 250 bucks. Uh, I mean, in that, it was, it was money that I was supposed to tithe. It was my tithe money. Uh, and I knew I was supposed to give it to God uh, out of trust. I just didn't want to. And instead, I put it to a surf trip to Esperance. And how do you think that worked out? Uh, that very weekend on my trip out, my engine began overheating, uh, a seal blew out, I lost a lot of oil, had to go to the mechanic in Esperance uh, to get it fixed, and he gave me the invoice, and it was the, exactly the amount that, that I owed God. Now, now, believe me, two things. Um, one, it's not a coincidence, and two, it wasn't God punishing me. That's, that's not how he works. But, but what God was using, what, what he did use... Um, sorry, how he did use that, was to teach me uh, to trust him. Because he can give and he can take away. I, I don't need to keep money or save money to look after my own skin. I actually rang my dad from Esperance and told him, and he quoted to me that story from Deuteronomy. You might remember it, how Israel wanted the... the um, wanted the desert for 40 years and their sandals never wore out and their tunics never wore out. Uh, we, we, um, we follow a God who is able to provide all we need. Faithful generosity trusts God to provide. Uh, well, that was then and this is now. Uh, say the Holy Spirit is convicting you even now to make some changes on your view of money and stuff and grace and generosity. Often we don't want to pay the price, right? 
but contemplate the price of inaction. Contemplate the price you pay for inaction. Just say you disobey the Holy Spirit's convictions, His promptings. Um, You've just confirmed to yourself that disobedience is an option. That's not a good place to be in. You've just reminded yourself that not listening is actually a pathway. Uh, Often we don't say no to the Holy Spirit, we just shuffle ourselves away. You know when He prompts us to do something? We, We don't actually say no, but we just shuffle ourselves away and we stop listening. We decisively move our thoughts elsewhere. And perhaps even our habitual non-generosity is actually a habit of disobedience, of shuffling away from the Holy Spirit's promptings. In fact, it's entirely possible that we've saved money at the cost of disobedience. Is, Is walking out of step with God the Holy Spirit a price that we are happy to pay? That's the question. Well, generosity is driven by grace, it's motivated by trust, and finally it's dedicated to God. And, and this is where we can close in on that costly thing called application, which is respond, responding by doing. Um, between you and God, or, or maybe between you and God and your husband or wife or, or family if you have one, uh, this week, dedicate your earnings to God because of His grace. Uh, let, let's ask Him to teach us that joy, or, or maybe remind us again. God, would you would you please be the God of of this money again? Um, please please show me the privilege of being led by the Holy Spirit, of trusting in You and growing Your kingdom. Uh, there might be a there might be a Christian organization or mission or group or this church. Maybe God is prompting you and you've shuffled away. But, but, but ask again and walk in obedience. Uh, but but I, should just, I should also ask, uh, add here that um, you obey God, not men. Uh, the application is not actually just to go out and start swiping your credit card. Um, that's legalism and works. I believe Paul speaks to that in verse 5 where he said, follow God, not people. Um, he, he said there, and they did not do as we expected. That is, they did not act because we coerced or convinced them. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So just because someone presents an opportunity or ministry or mission does not actually mean that you need to give to it. The, the, the rule is that not actually give anything. But the rule is trust God's grace and listen out to the, for, the, for the Holy Spirit and respond when he calls. And, and the promise is actually that joy can, be a, uh, joy can be ours when we respond to that kind of work. Joy will come to, to that kind of kingdom work not from pleasing people. But, but then, so, so we obey men, not God, but I can also say this. If you're a Christian and you're never giving to God, if, if every, every mission is an enemy, if every charity or, or church is a thief, or if you're never feeling thankful for the opportunity to give and bless, if you're resting on your laurels because you gave you know, something ages ago and 
you just want to remember that. You gave a lot of money back then and your job is done now. Um, I think our text can propose that it's highly likely that the God versus money hierarchy needs another look. Now, this doesn't mean you're a Christian failure, but do hear it in light of verse 7. Where Paul says this, But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Uh, well, I'll, I'll close by endorsing this book. Um, I actually have two copies, and I was supposed to have them with me right now, so that I can give them, and I just right now realised I didn't bring them. Um, it's actually inexpensive. I think you can buy it for 10 or 15 bucks at Kurong. Um, but then it will cost you thousands and thousands of dollars of money. And the reason being is because it will reshape like what the treasure in your heart is. So if you want to lose money, get that book. Um, well, but even if you don't read it, look, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray that God would be the treasure of our heart. So would you pray with me? Our Father in Heaven, we thank you that you gave the most precious gift uh, up for other people, and that was your children. And that precious gift you gave up was Christ, your Son. And thank you that through his poverty we've become rich. I thank you that you now call us your children, and that there is nothing greater that we can own than having you and being able to call you our God. Father, we confess that money is uh, heavy on our hearts. It's comfortable in our pockets. By it, we feel safe and secure. But Lord God, you can work miracles in our lives day by day. And one of those miracles is turning us from sin to you, uh, and particularly that in the area of greed and generosity. Uh, Father, we are saved for good works. Lord, would you allow the generosity um, that you have shown us in sending Jesus, would you allow that generosity to shape us? Father, do that miracle that causes money to become less and you to become more and for good works to become a joy. Father, please forgive us for when we've trusted in money. Uh, Please forgive us because... I think most of us know that we are going to continue to trust in money. That will be our security and our hope. And we'll we'll choose that joy over many other joys like giving to you. Uh, Lord, thank you that your forgiveness is uh, for us. But we also do ask, Lord, would you give us a greater joy? Would you pour out your Holy Spirit as you've done again and cause us to... um, to relish the opportunity to use what you've given us to serve you. Our Father in heaven, thank you that you do not leave us alone, you do not leave us by ourselves, but you send your Holy Spirit to do these good works. And we know as we ask, so you will provide for Jesus' glory and our joy in you. So we thank you for this in Jesus' name.